Well, I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 35 is where we will pick up in our series walking through the very first book of the Bible and I want you to be reminded this morning as we gather together our hope, our trust, our belief at North River Church is that God speaks through His Word And when his word is proclaimed, it does not return void. And so as we gather each week, we will dive into God's word together. If you're new to North River Church, this is our pattern. This is our habit. And I want to encourage you uh, to bring your Bible with you, to follow along with us as we walk through the text together. If you don't own a Bible, I want you to take one that's in the seat back in front of you. That is our gift to you. Uh, Take that home and uh, spend time uh, reading God's word Uh, asking the Lord to speak to you through his word and his promises that he will do just that. Genesis chapter 35, a message entitled, Blessing, Obedience, Sorrow, Hope. All of that wrapped up in one single chapter in the Bible. One of the things that's interesting in the office next door, the house immediately behind where I'm standing now, it's where our offices are, and one of the things that has happened over the last, I don't know, week and a half or so, is when I pull in and park, there is a cardinal that loves my truck. Pastor Scott's laughing because every time he walks in the office, especially when I arrived, the the cardinal is there and he has a circuit that he makes. I I don't know if it's a he or she, I'm not really sure. I know there's probably bird psychologists somewhere that could tell us what's going on in his mind. I really don't care. (laughs) Because here's what happens. He originally goes to my window and he looks at himself in the window and struts a bit. And I don't know if he's thinking maybe that's a female or something's going on, mating, that kind of thing, or if he's just like, I look really good. Or possibly he looks and he thinks, this is an enemy, this is another bird, I need to. So he'll move from there to my mirror on the window and pokes his head down and looks at himself and then turns and looks at the window in my office that's got tent on it and he can see his reflection there and he goes to the window, hits it head on, falls down, jumps back up and goes back to my toolbox so he can look at himself in the window again. And, and kid you not, we just watch and laugh and think, what an idiot, Right? I mean, what in the world is the bird doing? I I think probably something's going on in the little bird mind. There's this measure of hope that maybe this reflection that I'm seeing, maybe it's a mate, maybe it's an enemy, maybe something's going on there. And here we are looking at the bird and saying, there is no hope whatsoever there. Like what you're seeing is not real, it's not true. We look and we laugh and yet, oftentimes as followers of Jesus, when we look at this world in which we live, 
we often lose sight of the true hope we have in Jesus. And for us as followers of Jesus who seek to walk out the Christian life, who truthfully have experienced the transformation of the gospel in our lives and are seeking to walk in obedience to that, and it seems like it's often easy with the sorrow that we experience in life, the struggle, the pain, to lose hope in the moment. I don't know if that's where you are this morning. I don't know if that's what you have walked in here feeling today. I don't know if you have just come out of something like that, or maybe you're here this morning and for you, you're not yet a follower of Jesus, and you have maybe had a misunderstanding of what it means to follow Jesus. And and I hope this morning, as we walk through Genesis chapter 35, as we look at blessing, as we look at obedience, as we look at sorrow, as we look at hope all wrapped in this passage, that you would leave this morning encouraged, if you're a follower of Jesus, with the hope you have in Christ. If you are not yet a follower of Jesus, you would be encouraged that there is true and lasting hope available in Jesus Christ. I want to read the text for us, and we'll walk back through it together this morning. Genesis chapter 35, beginning in verse 1. This is God's word. God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had, and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them, so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him, and there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. And Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried under an oak below Bethel, so he called its name Alon Bakuth. God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. 
So Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. Then they journeyed from Bethel. When they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel went into labor, and she had hard labor. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for you have another son. And as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died, and she was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. It is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. While Israel lived in that land, Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. Now the sons of Jacob were 12, the sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun, the sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin, the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's servant, Dan, and Naphtali, the sons of Zilpah, Leah's servant, Gad, and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padan Aram. And Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre, or Kirath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had sojourned. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years, and Isaac breathed his last, and he died and was gathered to his people, old and full of days, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. That you would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. As we look at the text this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together in God's word. It's this truth. God's blessing provides an opportunity for obedience. And the world's sorrow provides an opportunity for hope. God's blessing in our lives provides an opportunity for obedience. And the world's sorrow in our lives provides an opportunity for hope. What I wanna do this morning is to take this text and to separate it into two sections as we prepare to walk through it this morning. The first section is verses one through verse 15, and here we see God's blessing in Jacob's life and Jacob's obedience to the Lord at each turn. There's three specific blessings that we're going to see, three specific ways that God is working in Jacob's life in this moment, and three specific ways that Jacob responds to the Lord in obedience, following him, trusting him, worshiping him, walking in obedience to him. And it's interesting as we look at verses 1 through 15 to consider that verses 16 through 29 follow. And if you remembered as we read through it, verses 16 through 29, if we're gut level honest with each other, is simply sorrow. There's this illusion and there's this false gospel that is proclaimed that if you'll just trust G, if you'll follow Jesus, 
You don't have to worry about the sorrow that's in this world. You don't have to deal with the difficulties in this world. And if you have been a Christian for more than 30 seconds, you know that is not true at all. This world is filled with sorrow. This world is filled with loss. This world is filled with sin. This world is filled with heartbreak. However, however, we as followers of Jesus, have hope in the sorrow. As we walk through the text this morning, verses 1 through 15, this first section, blessing and obedience. Blessing and obedience. Notice with me, verse 1, God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar There, to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. As we look at God's blessing, I want to remind us, we've said this before as we've talked about the blessing of God. The blessing of God is not tied to physical blessings or material blessings. The blessing of God is tied to our relationship with him. And I want you to take note of that because that's an important truth for us to grasp this morning. When we talk about the blessing of God, we're not talking about what we get from God. We're talking about the fact that we get God himself, which is the greatest blessing that we could ever receive, a relationship with our creator made possible for us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, his son on the cross. Through his resurrection, we can have our sins forgiven and we can be brought into the family of God. The greatest blessing in all the world is to have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. I want you to know that Jacob in this moment, as we saw back in chapter 28, has a relationship with the Lord. It is forward-looking to the promise that God would fulfill his covenant to Abraham, to Isaac, now to Jacob, that a Savior would come. And Jacob, in this moment, the Lord in his relationship with Jacob speaks to him and says, Arise, go back to Bethel, dwell there, and make an altar to the God who appeared to you. You may want to write out in your notes or beside that part of the text this morning, Genesis chapter 28, because that's where we first encounter Jacob's relationship with the Lord. Remember, Jacob had fled from Esau, his brother, whom he had tricked, who had said he was going to murder his brother if he had the opportunity, and Jacob took off and left. Remember that? Jacob went to a place called Luz, and it's there that as Jacob is sleeping, that he has a dream, and he sees the ladder that extends up to heaven, and angels coming up and down the ladder, and at the top of the ladder, he sees the Lord, and the Lord reminds him of who he is. The Lord says to him, I am the God of your father, Isaac. I am the God of your grandfather, Abraham. Jacob, I 
will be your God as well. If you're taking notes, you can write down first the blessing of God's call. The blessing of God's call. We see it here in verse 1. The Lord speaks to Jacob and says, Jacob, go back. Go back to Bethel. Go back to where we first met. And I want you to build an altar there to me. I want you to notice in verses 2 through verse 4 this morning, Jacob responds in repentance before the Lord. Notice what he says to his household and to all who were with him. Put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. The Lord called to Jacob and said, go back to Bethel and there build an altar and there. Jacob, I want you to worship me. And Jacob quickly responds in obedience and says, I think to himself and to his household, all who are with him, it is time to put away the false gods. It is time to turn from them, all of us, and turn to the Lord. And notice what happens here, that Jacob receives all of the false gods, all of the idols that had been handcrafted, and he buries them under a terebinth tree, the text says. Just imagine with me this picture played out. This act of repentance, this turning from worshiping false idols and preparation of the people's hearts to worship the one true God. The God of Jacob. You know, it's interesting that the text does not tell us, and there's a specific reason why. You know what the text doesn't say about those idols that were buried under the tree? That they rose from there. You say, what difference does that make? Because our Savior, who was placed in a tomb, rose from there. I think it is so fascinating, the contrast that plays out. It's just a little bit there in the text, but we see it, that these are not real gods. These are false gods. And we easily could look at this and say, how crazy that they would worship something that was created with their own hands, and yet the Lord would look at us and say, we may not have physical idols, but we have idols in our hearts as well that we worship. Success, sex, prosperity, fame, fortune, kids, relationships, ourselves. And I'd simply call us today In the same way that Jacob called to hear the people to turn from those false idols and worship the one true God.
You know, as we look at God speaking to Jacob here, I don't want us to miss the fact that God speaks to his people today through his word. God speaks to us through his word. We look and we say to Jacob, I I wish God would speak to me like that. And God says, I have, knucklehead, right? The word. The benefit of a follower of Jesus that you and I have this morning is the Holy Spirit of God who indwells us. And the text says, opens our eyes to see the truth of God's word and works to apply it to our hearts. In the same way here that the Lord spoke to Jacob, God speaks to his children today as well through his word. The question is, will we like Jacob respond in obedience to what God says? Beginning in verse 5, I want you to take note, the second blessing that we see is the blessing of God's protection. Notice verse 5, and as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. Think about that. Remember, Jacob is incredibly wealthy at this point in time, flocks and herds and servants and all kinds of material possessions that he has. And he's journeying through a foreign land as he's seeking to come to the place that the Lord has told him to go. And notice that the Lord provides protection for him. A terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them. The safest place that you and I can be is in the middle of the will of God. The safest place that you and I could be is in the middle of the will of God. I want you to notice Jacob's response in verse 6. Jacob came to Luz, that's Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel. That means the house of God because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. The blessing of God's protection, Jacob's response in this moment is worship. Jacob responds in obedience to the Lord by doing exactly what God said for him to do, which was build an altar there and what? Worship me. Jacob responds in obedience to the Lord. I want you to notice that the text continues. I mean, at this point in time, remember, after all we've seen from Jacob, which, can we all be honest, is not pretty all the time. True story? And yet here, it's like the guy has finally got it. He's finally clicked in to walking in obedience to the Lord. And that's exactly what we are called to do, to walk in obedience to the Lord. The Christian life has been said a long obedience in the same direction. I want you to notice in verse 9, God appeared to Jacob again. 
when he came from Padanaram and blessed him. And God said to him in verse 10, your name is Jacob, but no longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel. Which if you remember a couple of chapters back when he's wrestling with the angel, that's exactly what the angel said to him. Your name from this point forward will be Israel, one who wrestles with God and prevails in the victory given by the Lord. And he says to Jacob, your name will be Israel. Notice verse 11, God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. And the land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, verse 12, I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Again, the blessing of the Lord by giving Jacob his presence. For us as followers of Jesus, we too have the presence of the Lord in our lives. The Holy Spirit of God indwells every single believer. Notice Jacob's response of obedience here. Beginning in verse 13, the Lord went up from him in the place where he had spoken, and Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured out on it a drink offering and poured oil on it, and he called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. The blessing of God's presence in verses 9 through 12, followed by Jacob's response of sacrifice. That picture of him pouring out a drink offering to the Lord is Jacob in essence saying, Lord, I am pouring out my life in service and obedience to you. Which for us as followers of Jesus squares exactly with what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, that our spiritual worship is to offer our lives as a living sacrifice to the Lord. I mean, at this point, give the invitation and call people to respond in obedience to the Lord and yet... The Lord follows with sorrow in the text. I mean, if you look at the text this morning and you're tempted to think, well, Jacob has done all of this, certainly then the Lord is going to just simply bless him from this point forward and he's not going to have to experience pain or heartache or sorrow. But the problem is that is not the world in which we live. Follower of Jesus, don't lose sight of what happens in verse 16, walking through verse 29. It is sorrow after sorrow after sorrow. Sorrow in verses 16 through verse 21 of him losing Rachel, his wife, in childbirth. Sorrow then again in verse 22 with his son Reuben who has an affair with his concubine. Followed in the next verses with his father Isaac, it says in verse 29, breathing his last and dying. 
blessing and obedience in those first verses, followed by sorrow in these. And then the chapter stops. We're kind of sitting going, why did it stop? Like why after Jacob's obedience in walking with the Lord, is that what happens on the back end? And we may be tempted in this moment to look and to just bypass that and say, well, well, that's just kind of what happens. But, but here's where we have to tie this all together. Because if you remember the promise that God had made to Abraham and to Isaac and now to Jacob in those verses just before this, is that he would bless the nations through Jacob and his offspring. And the promise that God had made in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that a Savior would come who would crush the head of the serpent is still at work in this moment. The promise that God had made has not stopped here because, and I, I thought about this, and I, I seek every week to tie the points in the message to the text where we draw those points from. And in this last point, the crescendo of the message this morning is this truth. We have the hope of a Savior who conquers sin and death. And you say, well, Michael, I don't see that there. If you want to write the passage, you simply write Genesis chapter 36 to Revelation chapter 21. It's the rest of the Bible. Because the promise of God is going to continue to unfold chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter. And as we sing about, it is all heading in one direction. And that is the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ for all eternity. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who conquered sin, who conquered death, who conquered pain, who conquered hurt. And the promise that we have as followers of Jesus this morning is not that we're exempt from the sorrow in this world. We're not exempt from the sorrow in the same way that Jacob was not exempt from the sorrow. But we this morning as followers of Jesus have hope. Why? Because our Savior conquered all of that. So how do we take the next step of obedience? We take the next step with hope, looking to our Savior. Eyes fixed on Jesus. Do we walk through sorrow? Of course. Do we walk through the sin-tainted world in which we live? Of course. But church, we do not lose hope because we have a Savior who has conquered all of that. When we lose a loved one, how do we take the next step? When we get that cancer diagnosis, how do we take that next step? 
When we lose a job, how do we take that next step? When it all seems to be crashing around us as followers of Jesus, how do we take the next step? We take it with hope because our Savior has conquered it all. It's not rose-colored glasses that we walk through life with thinking that we won't experience it. It is hope-colored glasses in that we have a Savior who has conquered it all. And there is a day coming when there will be no more death. There is a day coming when there will be no more sickness, when there will be no more pain, when there will be no more hurt, when there will be no more injustice. And the reason that day is coming is we have a Savior who has conquered it all. That this morning, church, is our hope. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, we are thankful for your word. Father, we are thankful that in a moment of pain and heartbreak and hurt, that God, there is hope. There is hope in Jesus Christ alone. So Father, this morning I have no doubt that there are some in this room who have not experienced that hope yet. And Lord, my prayer is that you would convict their hearts this morning. God, that you would bring them to the recognition that there is hope only in Jesus Christ and a relationship with him. God, would you draw them to yourself this morning? opening their eyes to see the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Father, for the believers who are here this morning, God, who are seeking to walk in obedience to you, to love you, and yet doing that in a world that is filled with sorrow, is filled with hurt, is filled with pain, is filled with sickness, God, where it would be easy for us to grow discouraged, God, would you remind us of the hope we have in Jesus Christ, a Savior who has conquered death, a Savior who has conquered sin, a Savior who has promised that he will return. God, would you lift our eyes to him this morning? and restore in us hope, hope in Jesus Christ, what he has done and what he will do. Father, we thank you for that. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you stand as we sing this morning? It's an opportunity for you to respond to the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, One of our pastors would love to share with you how to take that step of trusting him. You come now as we sing. If you are hurting, struggling, pain, sorrow, this is an opportunity for you 
to cling to the hope that is in Jesus Christ this morning. You respond as the Lord leads.